We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. He's the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. He is going to join me momentarily. And that, kids, is why you don't switch up the wording for your intro, because you will stumble over your partner's title that you say every single episode. 49ers beat writer. Chris Biederman going to join me shortly along with Jeff Dini. He's an analyst at pro football focus at PFF underscore Jeff all over the 49ers. Uh, he does other stuff with PFF, but he is as locked into the 49ers as anybody. And he brings that kind of analytically driven angle. And we were really excited to talk to him. And we got some, some really good insight on what he's seen from the 49ers uh, this year. And, and, you know, we get into the Trey Lance conversation as well and talk about what this team might look like in the future and we handicap their playoff chances. So really fun conversation with Jeff. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Jeff Dini is here, Pro Football Focus Analyst. Jeff, thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit on a Tuesday evening. It's very generous of you. No problem. Thanks for having me. Let's jump right into the trade the 49ers made. It's Tuesday evening, a few hours since the trade deadline has passed. The 49ers sent a 2023 sixth-round pick to the Houston Texans in exchange for defensive lineman Charles Omenahu. Why don't you give us kind of your thoughts or some data on Omenahu and what he brings to the 49ers? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a nice little trade for the 49ers. Obviously, you know, a six-round pick in 2023 isn't much to give up. Um, financially, it doesn't cost much. He's on a rookie deal from being a fifth-round draft pick for another year and a half. So um, didn't cost him much. They could obviously use some depth at the edge rusher position. Uh, they haven't really been getting much outside of Bosa and Armstead from a pass rush standpoint and you know, the handful of snaps D4 you might get lucky and get in a game. But, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, from a, from our grading system, from a run standpoint against the run, he really hasn't, you know, shown much. But from a pass rush standpoint, his first two years in the league, he was in the low to mid-60s grade-wise. Uh, pressure rate, his rookie season was 9.8%. Last year was 9.4%. This year he's kind of broken out a little bit. I mean, he's only had 115 pass rush snaps in six games. 
So the sample size is a little small, but its pass rush grade has jumped up to 80.3 and its pressure rate is 13.9%. So, you know, if you look at average pressure rate among edge defenders is usually around 11%. So that's pretty good. Um, digging a little deeper, it's interesting, you know, th- his first two seasons, he rushed the passer both inside and outside, but more than half the time is more from the inside. Where this year he's primarily primarily been rushing from the outside. So I think, you know, logic would dictate that maybe part of the reason for that, you know, increase in productivity is he's rushing from the edge more often now. Generally, edge rushers have a higher pressure rate than interior guys, but the leap he's made is, is much bigger than that. So um, I think he's going to provide a lot of, you know, a little more depth on the outside, like I said, and, you know, could probably slide inside every once in a while and rush the passer from there as well. So what do you make of just more, more going more big picture here? What do you make of the 49ers? Uh, I guess let's start defensively since we're already talking about the pass rush. You mentioned they aren't getting much outside from Bosa and Armstead. And, and we talk about, you know, the context of this team uh, compared to 2019, because that's sort of like the archetype in, in how we we know that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch want this team to be successful. So with that in mind, like, it, do the 49ers have enough of a pass rush to, to embody that front to back um, type of defense that, that they want to have? And, and is that pass rush good enough to make up for whatever issues they might have in the secondary? Yeah, I mean, I think trying to replicate that 2019 defense is pretty tough. I mean, that was an elite defense, especially for the first half of the year, which just, you know, downright dominant before they started having a few injuries. So, I mean, trying to replicate that's going to be difficult. But, I mean, just to answer your question, obviously, you know, Bosa's got 29 pressures on the year. Armstead's got 22. I mean, aside from that, the next closest guy is, is D Ford with 10 and Ebukam's got nine. You know, Ebukam really hadn't shown much all year. He had four pressures all season before having five against Chicago. So, like I said, aside from those two guys, you're really not getting much else. So, it's, it's you know, Nick Bosa's had a really good year. I mean, really similar to that rookie year. But, you know, it's not covering up the deficiencies you see on the back end. I think we've seen that between, you know, the coverage lapses and all the pass interference penalties throughout the first seven games. Is there anything – because Chris and I have talked about this a lot and what the 49ers did in their secondary or didn't do in their secondary this offseason, it was Jason Verrett and his injury history. It was Emmanuel Mosley. And then their next best options were Ambry Thomas, a third-round pick, and Diamador Lenore, a fifth-round pick. Lenore was was out because of a personal issue in Chicago, but against the Colts, he was a healthy scratch. Did he show you enough, or did you kind of see enough when he was playing to justify him uh, continuing to play or at least suit up? Or was he so bad that it's it's best for him to not be on the field right now? Yeah, I think with Lenore, it was interesting. He had a really strong preseason. Um, I think he was he played 90 snaps that first game against Detroit. Um, I think he was pretty solid the first two games. You know, the third one against Green Bay, he struggled quite a bit. And he's, you know, hasn't really been active since. Um, I mean, obviously he was out this week with personal reasons. But the week before, um, you know, having Kirkpatrick be active, over him was a little bit of a head scratcher to me. And then you saw the play Kirkpatrick made late in the game against the Colts where it looked like he had a shot at a pick or worse, a pass breakup and end up giving up the reception there. So that's been a little bit of a head scratcher to me. I mean, I imagine they kind of see him long-term more as the nickel guy. And I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but a little surprised that he hasn't been on the field, you know, lately. All right, let's get to it. Um, 
is oh Jimmy boy. Garoppolo You're back? Ask about Mitch Wisnowski. <laughs> oh. <laughs> is Jimmy Garoppolo back? We we put away we oh, put, this, put aside this quarterback conversation for too long. Or is it Nate Sudfeld time? <laughs> Don't want to ask a leading question. You know, that's the million dollar question. I mean, if you asked me a week ago, if Trey Lance was 100 percent healthy, I would have he would have been the guy I would probably would have started um, last week. Um, <sighs> Man, I wish there was an easy answer to this question. <laughs> Same. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you look, I mean, the first five weeks, I mean, at best you could say he was inconsistent. Right. I mean, at worst you could say he was just awful at times. I mean, the Lions game, he wasn't bad. I mean, the four games after that were not pretty. I mean, I looked, his first five starts, his passing grade in our system was 58. And if you go back to Mullins and Beathard's 49 or 10 years, they were both in the low 60s. So just going from our grading system alone, you know, he was playing at or slightly below the Mullins Bether level for the first five games. Um, I mean, last week he was really good, you know, didn't turn the ball over, um, was pushing the ball downfield a little more than usual. His average depth of target was like 9.8 yards against the bears. It's usually around seven, seven and a half. Um, he was, I think the third highest graded quarterback last week. And I think an EPA per play, he was actually first. So, whether this is a one game aberration and he reverts back to what we saw earlier in the season, or if he kind of can get back to the 2019 level is the big question. I, I don't know. And I think you know, if, if he can revert back to that 2019 level, I mean, this team still has a shot at the playoffs. I mean, you look at Carolina's four and four has the last wild card spot. So right. nine and eight probably gets you in. Um, that's a big question. And, you know, it, and then it leads to the question, if he does revert back, how long does Kyle Shanahan stick with him before so, he goes to Trey Lance? What stood out to me in, in rewatching the game and, and looking at PFF's numbers and um, looking more into w- what happened, what was really interesting was just how well the offensive line played, right? And the offensive line probably had its best game of the season. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't get hit. Um, I don't know how, how often he got pressured, but I would imagine it wasn't all that much since he didn't really get hit in that game. So how sustainable is that in your mind? Because I think if we've learned anything over about Jimmy Garoppolo, it's that he tend to play, he tends to play his best when everything around him is, is going well, right? Right. On Sunday, things were going well. Khalil Mack wasn't playing. Trent Williams was dominant. Um, the running game was working. So yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo had time to move around and make, make a few more plays than he normally would. But how sustainable is that, do you think, going forward? Because to me, that's really what's going to get tested. As much as Garoppolo is going to get tested, like, can the offensive line continue to play as it did on Sunday, which means the running game is going to be more effective, which, which means Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in a better position to succeed? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one thing you look at the offensive line this year. I think the pass protection has been quite a bit better. Um, and you asked about, you know, the Bears game. Garoppolo was under pressure on just six of his 28 dropbacks, which is right. about 21%. And NFL average is using the low 30s. So, I mean, that was good. Like I said, the offensive line definitely, I would agree, had their best game of the year, both pass protection and run blocking. I mean, Trent Williams had the top grade of any offensive lineman last week. Alex Mack has highest grade in almost four years. I mean, use checks not on the line, but his run blocking grade was his highest in seven years. Um, so both pass protection and run blocking, the, the line was just dominant last week. Really, I think outside the last, the first two games, the pass protection has been pretty good for the most part for Garoppolo. Um, obviously the Niners aren't flinging the ball around everywhere, but they've only, the line itself 
has allowed 45 pressures on the year, which is actually the lowest in the league. Um, I said, you know, half of that, I think is they're playing well. Half of that is just, they're not throwing the ball a whole lot either. Um, But so I think that's good. I think the running game's gotten a little better. I think Eliza Mitchell has, you know, is, is playing better. Um, I think, you know, he's, he was putting us a good stats earlier, but I think he's, you know, seeing the holes better. Uh, You look at the, I can't remember what the official title for it is, but the, you know, expected rushing yards over average or over expected yards think, over expectation or whatever. Or is that the quarterback one? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's gone up for Mitchell the last couple of weeks. So I think the running game's gotten better. Um, so like you said, I think around him, and obviously Debo's playing at a very high level. IU seems like he's starting to come around hopefully. Um, so I think a lot of the things around him are coming together, which like you said, hopefully would, lend to Garoppolo starting to, you know, get back on track. Um, I think this Sunday obviously is going to be a big answer to that question because this is probably a, a pretty winnable game for Arizona. I mean, for the Niners against Arizona, as opposed to the following week against the Rams who seem to be firing on all cylinders. Speaking of the offensive line, not, not necessarily isolated to Sunday, but just kind of in the last couple of years, is Mike McGlinchey good at football? <laughs> like relative relative to the rest of the NFL cuz obviously he's he's a top 1% of 1% of football players in the universe but like compared to the rest of the NFL you know i mean the interesting thing thing his first three years the run blocking was really good um i mean i even think last year he was over the top of the league um the pass blocking has not been there as we've seen this year actually his pass protection has been a little bit better he's at 69.4 this year which is about average starter level the run blocking is actually taking a dive a little bit. He's like 65 as a run blocker. So um, I guess it depends. It, you know, the, first, <laughs> the first three years, he was a very good run blocker. He, he was below average in pass protection. That's kind of changed a little bit this year. I think with him obviously being a top 10 pick, the expectations on him were pretty high coming in. And I don't think he's met those. And I think that's kind of where the criticism comes into play. And especially when you have Trent Williams, who's really been the most – dominant tackle in football the last two seasons since he's been here if not the most dominant offensive lineman period um it's it's uh it makes a little duff you know as in comparison so i want to get back to the quarterback situation and ask you specifically about trey lance and and just you know what what does pff and and what do you think of him in, in terms of what you've seen from him so far both in the preseason um, and against Arizona. And and my belief is like, I understood Kyle Shanahan wanted, wanting to use Trey Lance in the running game. What I disagreed with was using Trey Lance as the centerpiece of the running game. Um, and I thought that was just unfair to, to ask him to take that physical, that, that physical toll in his first ever start. Um, but I, I think, you know, it seemed like there are opportunities to utilize him schematically in, in a way that, would benefit him and the offense overall long-term, but just curious, like what your opinion is of him after looking at him in more of an analytical sense. Yeah. I mean, I fully agree with you. I mean, I think having to carry the ball 16 times against Arizona was not wise. I mean, that's like having your star phenom pitcher make his major league debut and let him go 120 pitches. Right. Yeah. You, know, you definitely want to protect him. Um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I, you saw him more in training camp than I did, but I mean, I thought he looked pretty good. The couple practices I was at in training camp, I mean, clearly he has a long way to go as a pocket passer and his, you know, presence and progressions and decision-making like any other rookie quarterback, especially one who's, you know, 21 years old, played one year of, you know, college, 
in North Dakota State when he was 19. Um, so, I mean, I get that. Um, you know, interesting, before this last game where Garoppolo kind of broke out, I mean, I, I still thought Garoppolo was the guy that gave you the best chance to win, but I was starting to think that the margin was so slim that I didn't think that putting Trey Lance in there was such a bad idea because for all the, you know, the rawness of him as a passer, him as a, his ability as a scrambler and as a runner, I think made up for a lot of those deficiencies where even if you're taking a hit the first few weeks, perhaps that if he starts to improve and start four or five and six, and maybe he gives you a better chance than Garoppolo to win. Um, that might be a little different now that if Garoppolo is starting to figure things out and get back on track, that might be a little different, but you know, you know, Lance has a 59.0 grade so far this year in basically one and a half games. It's hard to tell a whole lot from our metrics just because the sample size is so small, but um, I mean, I do agree with you. I think getting him in a few plays here and there or for some experience is good. Running him 16 times was not, I mean, I think it's almost seemed like they had a game plan of just what, what is the best option to win this game now without thinking about him long-term and not necessarily agreeing with that. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it seems like the, the plan, the ideal plan was you're going to get 2019 Garoppolo and Trey Lance was going to redshirt for the most part, except for a couple of plays here and there. Right. Whether that ends up being the case, I don't know. I mean, I think the, the big thing is to, I mean, to get, Trey Lance to where you want to be as a starting quarterback on a contending team, he's going to have to go through some games where he gets his reps. He goes through his growing pains, learning process, makes mistakes. Do you do that in 2022 after Garoppolo has gone? We still have a, hopefully a playoff team on the paper, or do you do that now? And obviously you don't want to like bag the season yet. There's still three and four and stuff, but it, at some point, you know, you're going to have to make a decision whether you want to put him in, and a lot of that's going to have to do with where Garoppolo is in a few weeks. And has he returned to form or not, really? Um, if he hasn't returned to form, I don't think you're losing a whole lot putting Lance in. If you get the 2019 version of Garoppolo, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of Trey Lance until they're pretty much eliminated from playoff contention, I think. Or Garoppolo gets hurt. Or, well, yes. <laughs> Fair. Thank you. You guys are leaving Sudsy out of the conversation, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> 49ers football is finally back, everybody, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. You probably want to get out to the next home game. It's Arizona Week 9 and then Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles Rams Week 10. There's a real chance Trey Lance starts one of those games, and maybe you want to be at his first home start well, hey, TickPick has got you covered. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. They are the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what TickPick did is they got rid of all those like those crappy service fees that other ticket sites charge where you find a really cheap ticket, but then you go to check out, and it, the service fees are more than your actual ticket. That happens to me all the time, but it doesn't happen at TickPick. I had a couple of buddies who went out and braved the the rain and the wind it's in Santa Clara on Sunday night. And they went to TickPick and they said, Hey dude, shout out to you. Found some really cheap tickets and didn't have to pay all the fees. I was like, you're very welcome. And uh, that's what TickPick does. It allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, or if you don't believe my story about my buddies, you can find, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 100% of the difference in the purchase price. So again, the 49ers are back home week nine and week 10 back-to-back home games, Cardinals Rams, that Rams Monday night football game. I don't care what the Niners record is Monday night football, divisional game 
Sean McVay versus Kyle Shanahan. You're going to want to be in the building for that one. It's going to be a ton of fun and you should get your tickets at TickPick. So visit TickPick.com slash candlestick today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's TickPick.com, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com slash candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I, 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 it might be too early for this, but just when you talk about, you know, Trey Lance and his inexperience, and we kind of knew that this is going to be a little bit of a project on the 49ers hands. Do you think knowing what they know now after what's it been eight weeks um, and, and having seen Justin Fields up close, having seen Mac Jones, do you think the 49ers that they could do it again would go with Lance at three? Uh, and if I it's think- too early to say that's, that's a fine answer. I would say either they would have gone with Lance at three or possibly stayed at 15 and went with Mac Jones or maybe didn't move up all the way to three. Um, I think if it's a, a Lance Fields question, I think they're still probably fine with Lance. I mean, Justin Fields has struggled quite a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. last week was, I mean, he looked by far, I think, better than he had in his previous starts. And some of that can be attributed to Matt Nagy and kind of, what they've been doing as far as play calling with him and stuff. But I think they knew going in that Lance was going to be pretty raw. I mean, especially of all the rookie quarterbacks and then Mac Jones was probably, you know, Trevor Lawrence aside was probably the most NFL ready. And so the fact that of the five quarterbacks, he's been the best is probably not a huge shocker. Um, I just, I think it just, the, the, I don't say, I don't know if it's uncomfortable, the kind of sticky situation is, you know, if you're Jacksonville or the Jets, and you're drafting a guy in the mm. top three, you're not going anywhere this year. So you can throw your guy out there, assuming as long as it's not going to hurt his development. And it's fine. You're not, I mean, you're not going to go to the playoffs this year. Get it, let him get all the reps he can get. With the Niners, it's tricky because I mean, this is a team they thought was going to contend for a division title. So you can't just throw him out there and expect, you know, them to go 11 and five or whatever. So, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, you can almost wonder with Garoppolo's per performance the first five weeks it's just the whole quarterback I don't want to say it's a controversy because I don't think it really is but just the fact that Lance is kind of waiting in the wings type thing where I mean the first four years Garoppolo was here when he was healthy 
he was the guy. No one, you know, if he had a poor game, he wasn't going to have to worry about getting pulled in the future or if he got hurt, if he wasn't going to get his job back. Where this year, I mean, once he got hurt in the Seattle game, there was a possibility he wasn't going to see the field again. I mean, once Lance got in there, that might have been it. Um, you know, if Lance somehow miraculously had a Kaepernick Monday night debut, you know, against the Bears game type game against Arizona, Garoppolo might not have gotten his job back. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't, I mean, I think, I think it's really early. I don't think we've seen, I think, you know, he's going through his growing pains for what we saw in a week now, but he didn't listen, look like he was completely overwhelmed or just completely, you know, Giovanni Carmazzi over his head. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like that. I mean, he looked like a guy who was a rookie quarterback that had a thought, ton of skill. I thought he was fine. <laughs> People talk about like, Oh, he really struggled. It was like, yeah, but they still almost won and they outgained the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> they actually get a couple of those. The... If they get a couple of those fourth downs, like what's that game look like? Yeah. I mean, they actually moved the ball quite well. It was just right. the fourth down conversions. I think that killed most of those drives and they convert a couple of those, especially the one where he was stopped about, two centimeters short, they may actually win that game. And that was against a pretty good defense. Um, you know, J.J. Watt was in there, you know, dominating McGlinchey and Brunskill that game, which they're not going to have this week. So I didn't think he looked that bad. I mean, clearly, you know, he has some ways to go as a passer. Um, but, you know, I, they moved the ball pretty well. The physical skills were there. You can totally see right. it. Right. The arm strength, you know, his ability as a runner, you know, make plays with his legs, do stuff off script. Um, you know, the accuracy is still – a bit of a question mark and we'll see how that goes. But um, I haven't seen anything that would, you know, I, I thought he was the pick they should make at three at that point. Um, and there hasn't really been anything I've seen where I would, you know, go back on that yet. Um, we haven't seen a whole lot, obviously, but um, I don't, I don't think they really have any regrets. Yeah. So I I have one more question. Um, I'm just curious, like, because I'm looking at the DVO rating, DVOA ratings right now, and the 49ers are ninth in the NFL, according to Football Outsiders, just on DVOA alone, um, which a lot of people think generally is, you know, whatever, the best the best all-encompassing metric to evaluate a team. Um, I'm wondering if, if you think that the grading and, and what you've seen from the evaluation you've done of the 49ers matches up with that. Like, are they a team that's really playing – at that level and and are they close to the point where you know if they stop if they stop losing the turnover battle every week and and things you know sort of come back to their side a little bit are they like one of the 10 best teams in the league and and could they be potentially a a team that gets better as the season goes particularly you know leading into the playoffs yeah I mean I think that's a valid point I mean you look I mean just if you go like overall grade just from a team standpoint they're ranked 12th Mm-hmm. in our grading. So I think being ninth in DVOA is probably valid. Um, I mean, you look at a lot of the games they lost in that four game winning streak and it was just, you know, self-inflicted wounds, whether it was the pass interference calls, you know, there was the four pass interference calls against the Colts came on. If I remember correctly, third and 10, third and 11, second and 12 and first and 20. So those are four down in distances where you think you're probably going to get off the field where you didn't. Right. Um, I mean, it's just so, just shooting themselves in the foot, just, you know, self-inflicted wounds. I mean, the Green Bay game, you go back to, you know, the 37 seconds of letting Rodgers go down the field. So I think from a performance standpoint, the grading at 12 and DVOA at 9 is is pretty accurate. Um, it's just they've been doing, you know, there's just been certain plays, again, what he said, it's the, the turnover battle, now either, either turning the ball over or not getting takeaways 
or just, you know, making mistakes at the worst inopportune time. You know, you look at the Arizona game, you know, Trey Lance is two centimeters from scoring on that fourth down. That might've changed that game. So, you know, I hate, it's the whole Bill Parcells, you know, you are what you are as far as your record goes, but there were, you know, two or three of those games where if one little thing went the other way, they could be five and two. And then the ninth ranked DOVOA makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, I think, you know, on paper, they're there. They just have to execute, you know, start getting some more takeaways, be a little more careful with the ball. Um, and, you know, I hopefully the wins will come. Um, but I, I do think on paper, they, they are a playoff team, even with some of these injuries, if, if, if they can execute. On Tuesday evening, 6.28 p.m. Pacific time, November 2nd, Jeff Daney of Pro Football Focus, are the 49ers going to make the playoffs? I mean, I I'm think, asking you on this date. I'm not asking if they're going to make it right now. <laughs> um, I think it goes back to the Garoppolo question, really, is is what kind of – which Jimmy Garoppolo are we going to see? If we see, you know, the 2019 healthy Garoppolo who played at an average to slightly above average starting quarterback level, I think they can get to 9-8 and eight and get that last wild card spot. I don't think they're going to go much farther than that this year. If he starts, you know – becoming a turnover factory again, like we saw for a few games earlier, we're kind of reverse back to that poor play. Then, you know, I think you're looking at six, seven wins and probably Trey Lance getting a few starts before the season's out. So I'm right. looking at 538 oh. playoff since I'm on the analytics kick. Uh, 538 yeah, gives it. the 49ers a 29% chance of making the playoffs as of right now. Jeff's answer was at least 34%. So yeah, I would go 33.7. Okay, that's okay. I'm a roundup guy, so that's, I mean that explains it also, that. It also goes into can Garoppolo stay healthy for the next, you know, right? Doing right. the math in my head, ten games. They need a lot of things to go right to yeah. to make the postseason. Very well, small margin of error. I mean, to make the playoffs, it's it's a little easier with the seventh team, right? Right. Especially I mean, they're, in the they're NFC. half a game out right now. Yeah, especially in the NFC, that seventh team seems to be pretty mediocre. There's six quality teams, and then you have right. Carolina at four and four. You know, the Vikings are, these are not, you know, high quality teams right now that they're battling for that seventh spot. You know, maybe Seattle, if they get Russell Wilson back, you know, gets back up there. But, and I mean, obviously, you know, more injuries are going to probably be coming at some point, just it's football, but they're going to be getting some guys back. You know, Dre Greenlaw should be coming back soon. You know, they opened up the window and practice for a couple of these other guys, you know, Jeff Wilson and others. So hopefully they're going to get a little bit healthier, knock on wood, but, uh, I mean, I think they can contend for that last spot, assuming, you know, things go right. Yeah. I mean, Carolina, Minnesota, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Seattle. You have to go six and four. Right. Yeah. I, I'm just looking at these teams. Like, they, the Niners should be better than Carolina, Minnesota, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Seattle. Okay. Man, th- I think their... Seattle's the scariest, but they're even like, they're three and five right now. They're six. They're, they're, they need to go six and four. They have two games left against the Rams. Are you confident that they can beat the Rams? Playing like they've played for the most part this season. I think they can split with the Rams. Yeah. So they have two against the Rams, one against the Bengals, and the Bengals are are better than losing to the Jets, I think. Right. And they have that game on the road. They have the Vikings, who are at least on par with the 49ers, and maybe better. They have the Titans, who we still need to see them without, you know, Derrick Henry and whatnot. But I just don't think it's like this cakewalk schedule that that we thought it was going to be when the season started. No, and six I, and four isn't going to be easy. I agree no, with but. You there. I do think it's probably gotten a hair easier in the last week just because like you mentioned, Derek Henry. And I think, sure. I think Kyler Murray being a huge question mark going into Sunday, whether we're going to get Colt McCoy or 
a Kyler Murray whose mobility is quite limited is going right. to make things a little easier. But I agree. And they, they have Houston and Jacksonville, which are games they should win. But like you said, the Rams twice. Yeah, you know, it's just a matter of – and interesting because they have Minnesota and Atlanta and Seattle still. And those are three teams they'll be fighting for that seventh wild card for. So – or the seventh playoff spot for. So those are going to be the crucial games because then you have head-to-head tiebreakers and stuff. So those are the games they're going to have to win if they want to try to sneak in. Man. All right, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate your time. No problem. Anytime. It's fun. Keep up yeah, the great thanks, work. Jeff. Check out Jeff at Pro Football Focus. Follow him on Twitter at PFF Jeff. PFF underscore Jeff. PFF underscore Jeff. That's, That's the standard PFF guy Twitter handle. PFF underscore first name. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Makes it nice <laughs> and easy. Thanks, Jeff. No problem. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.